Blog Talk Radio. Enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone. Your end time watchman. Bringing you light in a dark world. Where truth is rivaled with a lie. And the matrix is normal life. Luke 21. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. You are now in the zone. So be ready to enter the light or truth about the end of days. So you will be ready for the coming of the Lord. You are in the zone. The prophecy zone. So join us for the next hour as we look at world events in line with Bible prophecy. So you'll be informed and be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to the prophecy zone. This is Phil Armstrong. And for the next two hours, we're going to have two special guests. Uh, first guest is going to be Bob Chapman from the International Broadcaster. He's a, a specialist in financial matters, and we are going to be talking about the crisis all over the world that is coming upon us very quickly. And uh, he's going to be coming in just a short while. So I'd like to welcome y'all. Sit back, relax. In the second hour, we're going to have Dave Lillard from Christian News Reviews. We're going to talk about Bible prophecy, and uh, it is a lot to talk about. So if you want, uh, grab yourself something to drink, and uh, because you, you're going to be uh, very uh, much uh, informed today. So um, there is a lot of things going on in our world, and uh, there's a lot of um, people who are guys of people uh, who are saying that we are edging close to the uh, climax of the age. And uh, the end of the age was asked by the disciples, when will the end of the age be? Uh, and he gave signs in Matthew 24. And those signs were uh, earthquakes, uh Wars and ruins of wars, pestilence, famines, um, uh, and we have those now. We have every single one of those things now uh, upon our doorstep. So right now, I'm going to go ahead and take a break. Looks like we got Mr. Chapman on the line, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we get back, uh, we are going to be talking about the state of the economy, not just. Uh, the economy uh, here, but the world, because these things intertwine in the internet. Uh, the internet, <laughs> well, I get that from. They're like a blanket. Um, they're they're moving together. Everything's moving together, and we happen to be the 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 top piece of thread, I guess. And and it seems like Europe is, but um, the dollar has been the uh, national currency for uh, international current currency for a while. So um, 
that's something we need to look at. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So sit back and relax and enjoy the show. We'll be back. You're entering the prophecy zone where truth will be reviled. You're entering the zone where truth is more stranger than fiction. You're entering the zone where you'll find that good is evil, blue is red, black is white, and truth alive. You're entering the zone where you'll find that every human is in a race of his or her soul, and truth is more stranger than fiction. Wars. The mark of the beast. Israel. The European super state. The rapture of the church. And more. Don't be afraid to enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone. Connecting the dots and showing you why we are more vulnerable than ever. Greetings, fellow Americans. This is David Robertson, inviting you to come be a part of an American Warning Radio, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Central. You've seen the pieces. Now, come see the bigger picture, an American Warning Radio, with your host, David Robertson, on this and many other networks that value liberty. All they're getting is mainstream media stuff. That's all they're getting, including Fox News. The American Warning Program with David Robertson, uh, just a great show. Uh, all kidding aside, the, the numbers are really going, starting to go up on that program, and I think one people realize that that's on now live Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock on this very station, you're going to be tuning in a lot more. That guy makes a lot of sense, and he's really good at what he does. Warning. Warning. America's habit forming. Status habit forming. Use the truth carefully. Get more information at anamericanwarning.com. That's A-N-AmericanWarning.com. lays out our future, and host Phil Armstrong examines what the scripture tells of his coming every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. What is the New World Order? The people who are talking about the New World Order, Bible prophecy, may be in danger. What do you need to be rapture ready? I believe that the Bible interprets the Bible, and we have to stick with the Bible. How much time is left? See more at theprophecyzone.com and youtube.com slash prophecyzone. Hear more here on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. Who is the Antichrist? I believe the Antichrist will not be known until the tribulation period starts. This is The Prophecy Zone. 
All right, welcome back. Uh, the website is not um, www.theprophecyzone.com. I can't get that, that back for nothing. I'm not doing that commercial over again. But the, the website is www.tzrn.org or prophecyzoneradionews.com. Uh, so check us out there, and, um, and we are really going to be hitting that website pretty hard uh, in the near future. So without further ado, let's bring on our guest, Mr. Chapman. I am there? here. Hello, brother. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on. Um I um, missed having you on for a few months. Um, a lot has changed since then, um, and uh, that's where I want to pick up at. But uh, it, what uh, what do you see um, as far as the uh, European uh, markets? Uh, they are just a complete mess. Um, start from there, and, just, and we're, we're, we're going to go to the dollar. And uh, I want to hear your um, future um, uh Analysis of what you what do you think the long long term, middle term, and short term will be. So let's start let's start with Europe. Uh, what, what 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 the heck is going on there? Are they there are are they near complete collapse almost? Well, I think you gave the uh, the uh, the end of the story already. They're a mess, <laughs> but. I think uh, there's a lot in between. Uh, I've lived in Europe for many years. I speak their languages over there. And the problem is that when the European Union started, we were looking at the Maastricht Treaty and 3% maximum public debt to GDP. Uh, that was totally uh, unattainable. Uh, second of all, they were going to use run interest rate for everybody. And each country is at a different state, stage of development. And to make a long story short, it didn't work. You saw what happened. Hold on. You saw what happened. Um to Spain, Portugal, Ireland in particular. They used, you know, the low interest rates that were, I would say, um, good for Germany and France, but not good for those countries. They never had low interest rates. And so uh, I think that they get off to a terrible start. And they didn't have a constitution for the European Union either, nor the Eurozone. And they really still don't. And to make that uh, whole European thing happen, what they had to do was create more money and credit than they should have. And so that's what they did. And that turned out to be disastrous. Right now, they don't have any dollars to speak of. And 
you say to yourself, well, how did that happen? Well, the foreigners, mainly American money market funds and pension funds, said, gee, they got a lot of problems over there. Uh, chasing a yield is nice because the yields are so bad in the United States. But uh, I don't think that this is going to work too well. I, I think we better get rid of that uh, paper, those bonds and other things that American investors had invested in in Europe in dollars. And so what's happened is that the U.S., the Bank of Japan, the Bank of England, and the Swiss National Bank have stepped in to supply for 45 days an undetermined amount of money, which my guess is probably over $2 trillion. And they also made a currency swap. And that currency swap is for $500 billion. And that's where the countries involved swap their currencies for the currency, which in this case is the euro, of the eurozone. And uh, that is no way to solve the problem because what's going to happen is they either have to extend these loans, we'll call them, or the whole thing's going down again. And what are they going to do after 45 days? Renew them again? Probably. And what's so important about that? Well, they may have bailed out temporarily these European countries, but what's very important here is the other side of that. And the other side of that is they're going to create all kinds of inflation. Oh, yeah. And so you back into the fact on the 29th that the Bundestag is going to vote on whether they want to give a second bailout to these insolvent countries. And there's a good chance it'll be defeated because the Germans have said, hey, we don't want to do that anymore. We're tired of being the whipping boy ever since World War II. And this is the end of it. We'll take our losses and we will allow these countries to figure out how they're going to do what they're going to do. And so the whole thing is a terrible mess. The losses that banks in Europe will take if just Greece goes under are very large. And, of course, American banks are going to take losses as well. Uh, We don't know how much money has been spent on those bonds in weak countries. But we do know about $150 billion has been used in derivatives to help the European banks insure their problem, which are the loans to Greece and others. And so it, it, it affects America in a negative way, and it also affects what's going on in Europe as a whole, and in the United States. So what they've done again, 
is they have kicked the can down the road. No solution. And if the Germans vote it down, you can forget it. Then you're really going to see the fur fly. So it is probably, I would say, three to four times worse than the collapse three years ago to this date of Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, AIG. And the whole world's going to have to go through what they did over the last three years and have the central banks create more money and credit. And in the final analysis, it's not going to work. And they know it. It's certainly not going to help employment in any country. So it is a terrible mess, Well, as you pointed out. Draw a picture for me, because uh, I'm complete, uh, completely oblivious to this, but what would a dollar collapse look like uh, immediately? Um, what would it, I mean, would it, would it collapse where uh, you can see, for instance, I don't, I, I don't do finance, so, but will, will they be broadcasting this as, you know, today the dollar, blah, 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 again, would it be compared to, again, on the currency exchanges versus, uh, every other dollar, I mean, every other uh, national currency. Um, how, how would that look the first day? Uh, and then how would it look a week? And then how would it look a month? And so forth and so forth. Well, I think that people really miss the point here. And it's very important. And that point is that the euro is weak right now. The dollar is relatively stronger. You don't look at the dollar in terms of other currencies. You have to look at the dollar in terms of gold and silver. The nine major currencies of the world in the last 11 years, each year, have lost more than 20% on average versus gold and silver. So really what you've got to do is weigh the problems that are occurring against gold and silver. And that's that's really the the uh main thrust of what you should be looking at. But what would it look like uh, if there was a devaluation? I think what you have to do is you have to come to a conclusion. And that conclusion is, is it proper to weigh the dollar against other currencies when their problems are almost equal and is the dollar really going to go down precipitously against other currencies which are bad just as bad as the dollar that's a hard call to make and so what I say is you don't get involved in that you just stick with gold and silver coins bars and shares and leave it at that. Now, 
if there's going to be an evaluation, then we get all the countries together, and they would all devalue and revalue against one another. Hmm. And once that was completed, they would have a unilateral debt default, excuse me, multilateral debt default. And once that was completed, then ostensibly all of the currencies would be equal. And they could start all over again, so to speak. And so I don't think you're going to see a unilateral devaluation of the dollar. I, the other country currencies are going to do just as bad. So instead yeah. of getting out on the USDX, instead of dropping from 78 to 48, we might see all the currencies stay in that 7080 USDX periphery. Yeah. Because they're all bad. Hmm. And anybody who wants to own currencies should have their heads examined. A good example, the strongest currency in the world depreciated itself deliberately. They had a devaluation in Switzerland hmm. so they could compete because hmm. – the currency was too strong. I mean, I never had heard anything so stupid in my life. And they're going to pay for it dearly because people who have been in Swiss franc-related assets for years are leaving. How do I know? They write to me every day. <laughs> wow. Oh, you there? Yes, I am. I'm sorry, I thought I hung up on you. So. Um, oh. How do you, uh, how do, um, how do, man, I had an excellent question. I just bent over to grab a computer, and about the time I got back up and looking at the screen, it, the question was gone. It was a good, very good question, too. Um, do, do they do, do they plan to um, do you believe in the NAFTA or different types of regions? Because I know the European Union right now phase is a it's a um, it's a regional you can say regional continental um, togetherness there. But um, do you believe that one if this thing collapses, especially in the United States, that somehow or another we would join some type of a union? Well, no, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. I really don't. Um, they're pushing for it. They get a lot of problems, and yeah. there's a lot of countries that are simply not going to go for it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you, whatever you replace, you have to do it with a currency or a group of currencies that are backed by gold. Mm. I mean, why do you think that we have nations today after selling gold for the last 30 years, why are they buying it? They're buying it because they don't trust any of the currencies. Yeah. Simple. Huh. Yeah, yeah. And that's beginning to get really popular 
is that the, the it's like the the general public is starting to catch on to gold more than normal. Because uh, I guess they're starting to see the value of the, the currencies that they have. So yeah. <laughs> so um, what what is your um, what do you think of we we would look like next year as a as a world body? What well, would, would the world look like? First of all, yeah, we'll look at it from a financial point of view. The Federal Reserve must buy U.S. Treasury paper. Now, that number is about uh, close to ninety billion dollars, nine hundred billion dollars a year. And if they don't do that, then the United States financially collapse. And every time they do that, they create money and credit out of thin air. Now, in that process, they create inflation. Now, the government says inflation is 3.6%. Real inflation is 11.2%. The government lies, and they do it deliberately. It's not the only figure. And it should be 14% by the end of the year. And QE2 and Stimulus 2 are still in the pipeline, and they'll start showing up this coming year. And that should take inflation to 25%. And if we have QE3, which would be the expansion of uh, the creation of money and credit by the Fed in order to help the Treasury and perhaps agency securities, which are Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginnie Mae, and FHA, and maybe even toxic bonds, which have mortgages in them. So uh, it's very difficult to be able to keep the system going without stimulus from government. And the government doesn't supply it then the Fed will have to supply another $800 billion, $1.2 or $3 trillion, whatever. And I think that that is going to happen. And you see right now the president is saying, well, we need more money. And... Uh, He's looking for about $455 billion. Um, How can he, with a straight face, conceivably ask for that kind of money when the Super Congress is in the process of cutting $1.3 trillion? What are they going to do, cut Medicare and Medicare? And Social Security by a trillion dollars and send it over to the president's programs? I don't think so. I mean, people have paid for that. I'm 76 years old. I paid a lot of money into that system, even into Medicare. 
which I've only been in for 11 years. But still, how dare they take what we paid for? And if they don't have the money, because it's been stolen for other projects, in the act that they read it, it says, if you, the government, don't have the money to pay Social Security, then what you must do is sell bonds to fund it. And that's a law. And so this coming year is going to be more inflation if they do what I think they're going to do. Unemployment, the only way that unemployment could go down is if the banks, which have $2 trillion on deposit, with the Federal Reserve. Now, how did they get that money? The Fed lent it to them at zero interest rates, and they lent it back to the Fed, and their rate rate varies from a quarter percent to two and a half percent. And they won't tell us what they're getting. No. Now, the reason they did that is for a time like this. And uh, I saw money starting to go from the Fed to the banks three weeks ago. Now, if they continue it, the banks will get the money. They'll lend it to small and medium-sized businesses that had their loans cut 30% over the last three years. And that's really good because they create 70% of the jobs. So getting back to what we just talked about previously, will unemployment get better only if the banks do that? And where will it go? It's 22.8% right now. Now, it could go down to 21, maybe even 20%, and that's okay. But that's not going to solve any problems. It's only a temporary respite. They still haven't fundamentally addressed the real problems. And so we're going to go to higher inflation, even if we're lucky enough to get lower employment, and it's not going to last. Hmm. And once they get to that point this coming year, if they don't do something positive on a long-term basis to creating jobs, then what's going to happen is unemployment is going to increase, demonstrations are going to start like they have in Europe, and then I think you might be looking at anarchy in America. And so it's not a very good outlook. Yeah, especially President Obama going to ground. Uh, I was watching the um, Contagion, and they kept referring to the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, it's about the virus spreading, a virus spreading. They never said the name of the virus, but uh, it was funny because they kept saying that the president is under in a disclosed, disclosed location. They said that like three or four times in the whole movie as if they were trying to give us a point. But um, I, 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 um, I'm, I'm pretty much 
uh, listen to you um, often on um, Alex Jones. I haven't got to do it recently. Um, I think there's a few other places I listen to you. I'm thinking, do you go on Dr. Stan show? Dr. Stan Martin? Probably I've been on Stan's program for 18 years. Oh, oh okay. All right. And yeah, I, I'm on I, every Monday uh, oh, Central okay. Time at 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. Oh, okay. I never, I haven't, I, I matter of fact, I might have to call that because we were supposed to, he's supposed to come on last year, but he never, we never closed the gap. So I Well, he's a wonderful either. man, and um, yeah, he is. he's yeah, in he his is. early 80s now, but he, you know, he's still pounding away like I am, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he's got yeah. a great message. Yeah, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Just like yourself. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for coming on. And I, um, I have more questions, but I, I, I sort of was uh, uh, moving around a lot today, so I would probably have a lot more later on for for you. But thank you. I so much appreciate you coming on, and I look forward to you coming on again in the near future. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Well, thank you very much. Bye bye. God bless. All right. All right, Chapman from the International Forecaster. Uh, go check him out at www.internationalforecast.com. I think that's what it is. <laughs> that's the last time I was tuned in to his. Uh, I make sure I get that right as minutes I go to that website in a few minutes. But anyway, I, I like y'all to um, uh, sit back, relax, and I got another guest coming on at the top of the hour, but we'll be right back. What you just heard was an actual recording of my daughter's heartbeat within my womb. And ever since my husband Jeff saw our moving, active, vibrant daughter by way of live ultrasound image and heard her precious heartbeat within the womb, He's been horrified that we as a society legally kill our children at this stage of life. As a society, we legally kill our children. This is the greatest human rights issue of our day. To join in the conversation Fridays 9 to 11, visit WeKillChildren.org and find the show. That's WeKillChildren.org. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're listening to the Prophecy Show. Unbox Talk Radio. Now we don't go blowing up people and killing our enemies because God never told us to do so, but we're literalists in our interpretation of what the Bible says. We believe it verbatim, we believe it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we live accordingly. So why is that so hard to believe that Muslims would do the same because the Quran puts no limitations on the violence and the war against those who stand opposed to Islam, where the, the Bible and the New Testament, especially in grace under which we live, Jesus never mandates that we do such a thing. So, you know, they're literalists, and we are literalists. Theirs causes them to be violent. 
Rapture Ready Radio, live on Tuesday and Saturday, and the BB Report live on Thursday. Visit www.raptureadyradio.com for more show information. Hey, everybody out there. My name is Phil Armstrong, and I'd like to invite y'all to join us on the Property Zone every Thursday and Sunday as we talk about the soon coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about world events like the Mark of the Beast, Israel, Middle East peace talks, Middle East wars. We're going to be talking about things like the end-time generation that we live in because we are living in the final days. So join us on the Prophecy Zone.
you know, sit there and fight with people all day long. And I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm, just, I'm not going to sit there and fuss and fight. I got a friend coming over. I think I just saw his car. So I'm going to go ahead and play a, another commercial. And I apologize, but uh, I got I to gotta answer the door because I really don't want anybody uh, coming downstairs before I can get to the door. Since I find commercial, so sit back with us. with Paula Middlehurst. There have been extraordinary scenes in Berlin tonight as thousands of people gathered to hear Barack Obama deliver key foreign policy speech on his current European tour. Democratic presidential hopeful laid out his vision for America's place in a new world order, saying he was speaking as a proud citizen of the United States and a fellow citizen of the world. While Senator Obama tackled America's place in the world at several points in his speech, acknowledging recent splits between the U.S. and the rest of the international community. In Europe, the view that America is part of what has gone wrong in our world rather than a force to help us make it right has become all too common. Yes, there have been differences between America and Europe. No doubt there will be differences in the future. But the burden of global citizenship continues to bind us together. A change of leadership in Washington will not lift this burden. In this new century, Americans and Europeans alike will be required to do more, not less. Partnership and cooperation among nations is not a choice. It is the only way, the one way, to protect our common security and advance our common humanity. Next week, will President Obama vote or veto the uh, Palestinian state um, coming next week at the UN? Folks, this is uh, very important. Uh, matter of fact, this is probably one of the most important things that uh, weeks that have ever uh, happened in world history. And um, uh, we need to be vigilant. We need to be soberly minded. We need to pray for our leaders, pray for our nation. We need to um, back up. We need to make sure we're saved. <laughs> Please don't start praying for people that not in your relationship is not even cracked with it cracked up to be. And I'm talking to myself too. Uh, we gotta be. Um, Without gall, remember he um, said that about Nathaniel, and he said that about a few other people that they didn't have any trickery, you know. And that's what we need to be meek spirited. We need not to be tricky. We need to we need to be truthful to the Lord. Um, we need to bring all of, uh, our uh, nastiness to the Lord and, and repent. Uh, turn around. Turn for that sin. Um, it says in um, John 1, 9, that, uh, that uh, we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us for all unrighteousness. But it says in the prior verse, John 1, 8, uh, that if we say he has no sin, we make him a liar. God is not a liar. Let, let, let God be true and every man a liar. That's what the word of God says. 
Um, this is the most important time in history. And yes, I'm gonna I'm tell you, I'm gonna tell you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this. And I hopefully I'm not spoiling um, um, the next interview with um, David, Dr. David Millard. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the end times, matter of fact. But um, I believe that the next <coughs> 12, 13, 14 days and beyond will be a turning point in history. And if you're listening to this show uh, and uh, you hear me say this, uh, take it to count is uh, what I'm saying. And if it happens, if it starts to happen, then you know. Uh, one thing that I, one of the many things that I believe is going to happen, is a major earthquake or major earthquakes and tsunamis in the United States. Uh, I'm not just talking about uh, a normal California earthquake, Northridge earthquake. Quake. Uh, I'm talking about a major earthquake. Uh, to possibly take up one of the coasts completely, and um, and what I wanted to explain to y'all first is there was people um, who was following the 188 day earthquake cycle, and um, there was an earthquake last year in Christchurch, and then there was another one, I think, in New Zealand, and I think another one in Japan, and and then there was another one that we were looking for a couple of days ago to be 188 days. And uh, here's my problem with uh, <laughs> with Facebookers and, and mostly YouTubers is that Christians who are looking for demise of other people, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Now, I prayed, uh, and I won't say earnestly, but I prayed uh, that no one would get hurt. Uh, and there was a, and see, let me let me back up sort of. Those earthquakes were all over, was seven point, um, seven points or above. Um, and uh, this, this earthquake yesterday, a couple of days ago on Fuji, it to me was part of the 188 days, but no one got hurt. And I was on YouTube, and it looked like to me people were mad that nobody got hurt. I mean, these are Christians. Oh well, it's not part of the 188 day cycle, so uh, nobody got hurt, so that's, it doesn't count. So you looking for somebody to get hurt? You a Christian? You looking for somebody? See, this is the problem I have with the end time, folks, is I want Jesus to come back. I want my family to be saved. I want my neighbors to be saved. I want your family to be saved and you to be saved and your neighbors to be saved. I want the whole world to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, and God does too. But I I don't spend my time wanting something to happen to, to the people in Damascus and Isaiah 17 where it says Damascus will be taken out. It will be no longer a city. It will be a ruinous heat. I heard some, um, and I'm not going to mention their names, some famous preachers 
it is a glory, glory, glory. You know, hallelujah. God is coming. Jesus is coming back. And, you know, Damascus is going to be one of the signals. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Well, don't forget that there are humans in Damascus, the same ones we're ordained to go talk to. And I say everybody's ordained. What is the last thing he, Jesus told us to do in Matthew uh, 28 was to go preach the gospel. He wasn't talking about ordained preachers. He was talking about everybody. Um and everybody gets it twisted. We're 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 to go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's another thing that's on my mind. Uh, also, most of the time, if it, if it acts like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it could be a duck in the Christian faith. If it walks like a Christian, acts like a Christian, talks like a Christian, you don't know. Uh, but you would know them by their fruits. But we're not just talking about partial fruits or sometimes fruits. We're talking about the overall circumference of their lives. And um, a lot of th- a lot of times things seem to come out and things are manifest from the secrecy of a person's chamber. So you will know them by their fruit. Um, eventually you're going to know them by the rapture of the church because he says that um, uh, judgment shall begin in the house of the Lord. And and when when that when that is the case, uh, and people don't understand what this what this means, but I didn't for a long time. But when he says judgment shall begin in the house of the Lord, so that means that not only before the rapture of the church he's going to start pulling away some some of the false prophets. But it also means that the rapture of the church will separate the wheat from the from the from the uh, tares. That means instantly, in the twinkling of an eye. Well, you you mean Rosh Hashanah is not on a Sunday. Nobody's going to be at church. That's not the point. When when everybody goes to church that following Sunday and they still here, they're going to know that they missed the rapture. Of course, they're going to uh, at least hopefully they they understand. Um, I went out to to get my car fixed um, on what's the day? So yesterday, yeah. And uh, I dropped my car off, and uh, I went over. Got somebody told you know somebody who God told me to go walk over there to Carl's Jr. for you West Coast people. I don't know if Carl's Jr. is anywhere else, but um, I was sitting down, and it compelled me to get up and talk to these guys, gentlemen. And one of the gentlemen says he's going to party. I told him the, the end times could be here pretty soon. And he's not talking about prophecy. He says he's going to party. And <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny myself. Um, and um, in reality, he's got seven years to do it. <laughs> if, if, that's, if the prophecy that we think and a lot of watchmen think is coming true, will come true. And, folks, there are a lot of watchmen and women out there who are watching for the coming of the Lord. But there's also a lot of people who have attitudes like this gentleman does. <clears throat> and there's a lot of people who have attitudes and don't even see this thing coming. Because if I, I took an honest look at the whole situation when I was walking around, you know, I went to the coffee shop, I went to Walmart, and did a few things when I was waiting for my car to get fixed. And then I eventually had to walk all the way home. Um which is a long shot, 
It's a long road shot, highway shot. So I walk. I, the lady, one of the ladies at the grocery store, said, "I would, I would, if I'd have known that was you, I'd have picked you up." Well, she said she knew that was me, but she didn't know um, if I was running or not. So I said, "That's fine. Look at, I need, I need to walk. I need to run. I need to exercise." So um, I, I, I was walking around most of that time, you know, witnessing the people. I ran into this one guy, um, brother, um, who invited me out to his church so I can see what his church is like. And anyway, we hit it off pretty good. So um, we were talking to one of the guys. I was talking to one of the guys that he was talking to prior to the time I I walked up. And this guy was, he could smell a little beer on him. He looked like he'd been drinking. and But it seems like he's kind of sincere. He's, you know, tearing up you know, crying up. And I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit when I was talking to him. And um, he kept bringing up his past. And I said, look, man, you're going to have to drop the what you're doing. You're going to have to drop the alcohol. And I said it nicer, nicer than us, but you're going to have to drop the alcohol. You're going to have to drop the pornography. Because I was in bondage to these things, and, and the God set me free. And the word of God says, when the son sets free, it's free indeed. And I had to believe on that scripture. I, I, I couldn't just... Uh, say, okay, God set me free and get up and walk. I had to believe the scriptures. Through the sun sets free, it's free indeed. That means he can set you free from the bondages that easily beset you. Um, I also talked to him about casting out imaginations and asked him what you think about. What do you think about? What's on your mind? What do you what, what do you have? What do you believe in? What do you think? What do you watch? What do you set your eyes in front of? And I told him the eye is the floodgate, you know. And there's a lot of people um, out there that's listening to me now probably um, is in bondage to something. Um, and, and, and we are told to prepare uh, for the bridegroom to come and get us. We are told to prepare for the rapture of the church. For those who are pre-trib, we are told to prepare. For those who are post and mid, they got to look for everything else to come. And I, I, I'm not trying to start anything. I'm not trying to, you know, talk down on those beliefs, but I, I'm just saying that um, we're going to find out shortly. Uh, we're going to find out shortly what uh, it, what what uh, time frame the rapture will come in. But uh, we need to be prepared for this time period. Um, we need to be prepared that we are ready. And alcohol and drugs and, you know, and, and the dog tree and the eye dog tree and the covetousness, those are big things. But we also need to attend to the smaller things, which are behaviors like anger, malice, um, um, trickery, um, gossip, some of those things we need to ask God to clean us up from. We need to get the garments clean before he comes. And that's the thing about pre-trip rapture, is that we are going to mentally be prepared, uh, physically uh, be prepared, um, uh, and we are going to uh, hear the trumpet sound, and then we will meet the physical and, 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 <laughs> and the in the mental, but but now we need to be spiritually 
prepared. We we can't just uh, lollygag around, and that's the danger of the post-administrative thought because you're looking instead of looking for Jesus Christ, you're looking for the Antichrist to show up and to sign a seven-year peace deal. You're looking for the witnesses, and you're looking for the temple to be built, and you're looking for all these things. But I'm going to take another break, and I will be right. What you just heard was an actual recording of my daughter's heartbeat within my womb. And ever since my husband Jeff saw our moving, active, vibrant daughter by way of live ultrasound image and heard her precious heartbeat within the womb, he's been horrified that we as a society legally kill our children at this stage of life. As a society, we legally kill our children. This is the greatest human rights issue of our day. To join in the conversation, Fridays, 9 to 11, visit WeKillChildren.org and find the show. That's WeKillChildren.org.
the Middle East. And just, people say, well, you're supposed to love the birds. Yeah. You're not, you're not always going to do things the exact way all the time. There's, there's, there's different situations where you have to have the Holy Spirit will lead you in a different way. And yesterday, it, was, it didn't even have anything to do with agreeing or disagreeing. It's more or less that the trade was from a guy from the Middle East, and the deal was just completely uh, gone. I'm not going to just let you sit up there and dog my Jesus out, and I'm not going to just let you sit up there and dog anything else out. I, now, I've talked to brothers. I've, brothers, I've talked to people before from the Middle East. My wife was at work watching me talk uh, to um to this individual, and I stuck around. I kind of got a little nasty with him in the in the spirit. And sometimes people think, "Well, that's that's not Jesus." Well, go and talk, go look at Jesus as he sits over the table in the church. Go listen to him as he says, "You the you the righteous to the um to the um Pharisees." Quit thinking Jesus was some sweet person selling ice cream cones. Go read the doggone gospel for yourself. And I'm tired of people saying, judge not lest ye be judged. Finish the doggone chapter. Finish the chapter. Stop stopping there. Even my mom does that. Stop stopping. You supposed to not judge, not judge, 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 not to judge, judge. Read the rest of the chapter. I need to get the plank out of my own. That's the whole gospel. Read um, uh, um, John, First John. One eight and nine. If you say you have no sin, you make him out of a liar. What's the next verse? But if he's faithful and just to forgive us from all, if we come to him and say, "Forgive me, Lord," that's the first thing John and Jesus said is to repent. I'm getting tired of these mamby pamby Christians talking about just you can't say nothing these days, folks. So, and you're not going to win a doggone argument. On Facebook, just give it up. We're not. This is not the gospel of argument. It's not the gospel of be right. You're not there to be right. Yeah, right in the gospel. But when you're sitting there talking about um, who's the antichrist? Is it is it Elvis Presley? Is it you know Barack Obama Jr. Hercules Hussein Jr. Whatever? Is it you know? I mean, come on. Is it Juan Carlos? Juan Carlos is in his 70s, I think. No, it's not him. I mean, we were told to look for Jesus Christ. Okay? We were told to look for Jesus Christ. We're not told to look for the Antichrist. And people get mad about it. People got mad at me about 2012. I made a video about 2012. They got mad at me because I said 2012 is, is, is relevant but not relevant. So I didn't say it wasn't relevant. But anyway, let me bring up my hopes because I'm just like, I'm, I'm, oh, wow, I almost forgot. <laughs> I mean, folks, I'm saying this because I, I'm deal- what I've been dealing with lately on Facebook especially is I'm not going to sit there and fuss with you and try to protect the pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. On my network, I got three ladies who, and I shit me. Well, I don't say that because me. One of them looks like they're trying to go pre-trib. I don't see how they get the post on me, but I don't come against nobody. I mean, I'm not going to come against those. I got hosts on a network that got our posts on me. They don't really talk about it. That's why I haven't really, you know, said, okay, no, I don't need you anymore. I haven't, because they don't really say it a lot. But 
I can't. I don't see how you can get a post or a mid out of it. I just don't. I just don't. I mean, he tries to tell you Abraham sat there on the mountain or hill or whatever the heck he was standing on, and and he was asking God. He says if they had fifty righteous people, and he went all the way down to ten. Okay, he went all the way down to ten. Says no, I won't destroy it. That's the answer right there. You can leave it at that, but we need to precept upon precept, line upon line. So there are nineteen times the word church is mentioned in Revelation. Nineteen times the first three chapters is mentioned. After the chapter three is not mentioned anymore until the book is almost over with. How do you get that, folks? And then he tells the church in Philadelphia, I will keep you out of. Well, he's going to hide the church in their homes and put steel frames around the house and all uh, Petra. No, not not Petra because the Jewish people are hiding them because going to Petra. I mean, come on, explain yourself. He said, why are you getting so mad? Cause, because I, I've been... I've been really blessed with people on Facebook, and I've been not comfortable, blessed. Some people tell you like it is, but I've been blessed. But there's always got to be, even in the faith, got, the worst thing is the people in the faith. Um, Jesus is not coming back until he fulfills the 17th seal. There is no 17th seal. I'm just joking. I just made that one up. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's always something. It's always something. Well, let's bring up my guest. Quit moving away uh, from your mouthpiece. Dave, you there? I'm here, Phil. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good, my brother. Okay, God doing bless good. you, man. God bless you. So, welcome. So, let's, let us talk about uh, the end times. Let us start by talking about what do you see is happening right now as we move forward in the in the time. What what do what do you see going on now? Right now, Phil, I am seeing what I firmly believe to be the end of the church age. Hmm. I believe that there is a very distinct possibility that we are about eight days away from going home. I think there is a very real possibility that Jesus Christ is about to come out of heaven, poise himself over the earth, and we're going to hear an angel shout, a trumpet blast, and those of us who are looking for and longing for his appearing, we're going to see him, and we're going to be out of here. That's what I'm seeing right now. Amen. Amen. And, and I know there's a lot of people out there that call me crazy, that uh, say, you know, there are all sorts of things against me. Well, that's okay. Uh, I appreciate your input. Uh, I'm not certifiably crazy. I've already been checked. I'm just one of those people who are looking at everything that's happening, and I'm seeing the whole picture. And the whole yeah. picture you, you got to look at look at it all, and not just one or two pieces in order to capture it all. Yeah, 
Yeah, and there's a lot of things going on to um, dissect to a certain point. It seems like everything's diverse. Did, did you hear me properly? I'm sorry? Can you hear me properly? You keep fading in and out. Like you're turning away from your microphone or something. No, I'm standing right in front of the micro, microphone, right in oh. front of it. Hold on for, for, for a second. Just tell me if it sounds a little bit better. You sound great right where you're at. Right here? Right there you sound I don't great. Know what, I don't know what what, what the heck uh, is microphone. I need to pick up the manual again. It's, a, it's called a, a, a Yeti microphone. Ah, okay. So I don't I don't know. I don't know if this is the top of the microphone is the is the is the key or the size is, the, is the, uh, I have to look into it. But anyway, uh, thanks thanks a lot. I'm glad you said something. Because uh, I usually don't use mics. I I like to. I mean, I hate to use phones. I hate to even hold a phone. But um, but it seems like the phone is the most safe place sometimes. <laughs> I just had Bob Chapman on. Um, a few minutes ago, um, and he's talking about the economy. I really didn't um, get get to the point of finding out what did he think that how soon he thought the markets were going to to you know sort of respond. Now, do you believe that the markets itself, um, according to what's going on now, uh, do you believe that God will um, pull the plug on the world markets uh, at, in, in the next? Um, basically, around Rochester, do you see that coming? Well, it depends. I'm 98% sure that the season of Rosh Hashanah this year is going to see the church leave this world. But if not, no, I don't see the collapse immediately of the financial market. I do see it within, if we don't go home this this uh, end of this month, I'm seeing that within one, two years at the most, the market will collapse. The powers that be in the world banks are poised to pull the plug at any moment. It will not take much to do it. The fragile U.S. economy, we've borrowed so much money and we have so much credit out there as as a nation. If the People that are holding our notes suddenly decide it's time to call the notes. There's no way we can pay it. Mm. And if that happens, this nation will go bankrupt. And the market will then collapse. The dollar will be worthless. And we will be forced to go on to the European exchange in order to have any sort of economy. And that is where everything will be controlled you know, I'm not an economist by any stretch of the imagination, but it looks like you know we're 18 months, two years at the very most from an economic collapse. And if 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 the eight next eight days is the time, what do you think then? If the church is taken out of here, well, basically, I look for the uh, economy to collapse the day after. Oh yeah. Yeah, let, let's say, for example, we're, the church is, is raptured out of here on the 28th, which is the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. I look for that next next business day for the 
the uh, America's financial system to collapse, and I'll tell you why. The Christians are the only ones paying their bills. The Christians are the ones that are working. The Christians are the ones that are paying the taxes. You remove all the Christians from this nation, there's nobody left. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, let me ask you this question then. Um, I guess what I'm kind of confused at is when I'm when I when I started reading about Rosh Hashanah, uh, I'm not really confused, but I kind of answered my own question. Uh-huh. And it's a two-day event, and a hundred blasts have blown. I think God gave us a hint. I'm not trying to guess the day and hour. That's not what I'm trying to do because I, I I don't need, I haven't even been really paying attention to things. I just know next week is in Rosh Hashanah. I'm be I'm be observing it sort of on the 28th. I'm not trying to guess the, yeah, I'm not trying to guess the day. Now you said in your radio program that, and I, I didn't even think about this. Um, you said that the time um, the time difference is going to make it the 28th for us rather than um, later, like, because theirs is like the 30th and the 29th. So, uh, uh, the 29th and 30th. So here's my question. Uh, if there's a hundred blasts, and he says um, the dead should be resurrected, resurrected and we should be changed at the last trump, and it's a two-day event, that will mean that he just gave the clearest answer possible that at the last Trump, so the last Trump is at the last day of Rosh Hashanah. No, no, no. You're trying, you're trying to make it worldly and spiritual at the same time. The last Trump has nothing to do with the trumpet blast here on earth. It's the Trump of God. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, so you without, I guess what I'm saying is, we say that. Um, God would not say anything unless unless he he had a purpose to say it. Uh, we're still no matter what how you rock it, no matter how you shake it, he's still been dealing with mankind. So to say I'm spiritually saying it and then I'm worldly saying it, he still. Well, I mean, no matter how you rock it, Jewish people are humans and. The Gentiles are human, so you got to deal worldly. You got to deal it in that perspective. So what I'm saying is, the first day to the last day, they're hundred blasts. Now I understand that God is still blown. Maybe this is what I'm saying. Maybe God is going to assist. Maybe He's going to blow at the last at the, simultaneously as that individual blows that last trump. And it could very well, trump. it could very very well be. Something I do need to correct you on. Rosh Hashanah is not exactly a two-day event. Okay. In, in the in the ancient times, before they had computers that could tell us when the new moon was going to actually happen, the uh, the Sanhedrin, which was the government of Israel, would send witnesses out when they were looking for that first little tiny sliver of the new moon. They would send witnesses out to look for it about sundown. If they saw it, they would come back and tell the Sanhedrin, we saw the, we saw the sliver of the moon. The Sanhedrin would then tell the high priest. The high priest would then give the order for the blast of the trumpet to start the holiday. If they didn't see it when they thought they would, then Rosh Hashanah would start the next day. So there is a 48-hour window there for it to start. 
Rosh Hashanah itself is actually a one-day event, but it could happen on this day or this day because no man knows the day or the hour when that sliver of the new moon will be found. And that's also a clue as to the season, I believe, when Christ will return because he said no man will know the day or the hour. And in ancient Jewish times when he was living, that's one of the ways they described the feast of Rosh Hashanah. No man knows the day or the hour when it will start. Hmm. Well, I always figured it out because it was a two-day event. And from what I see and what I study, most of the people come together in consensus that it is a two-day event. So that's the first time I heard that. So I apologize. apologies. No, <laughs> no, it, a lot of people think it's a two-day event because it, sell, it starts either on this day or this day. So a lot of people just assume that it's a two-day holiday when, in fact, it's all based on the new moon. And it is the only feast of God that starts on the new moon. It's the only yeah. feast of God that starts on the first day of the month. Yeah. So that also sets it apart as being the only one that starts that way. And it's it's also the uh, Jewish New Year. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it has a lot of significance on the uh, Hebraic calendar. A, a tremendous amount of, of, of uh, diligence and yeah, I, I agree with you, Phil. God, God is so poetic. Uh, your listeners might want to look at this video. There's a video out called uh, The Star of Bethlehem. Oh. And the gentleman who, who produced this video is an attorney. And using modern software, the same software that NASA uses to project where astronomical things are going to be for moon shots and for space shuttles and so forth, He's able. He was able to go back and look at the celestial bodies throughout history, yeah. particularly around the, the conception time of Christ, the birth of Christ, and his crucifixion. And the magnificence of God's poetry in the stars, telling the story of his son's birth, his son's death, his son's resurrection, using the stars is absolutely amazing. And the reason I brought that up is because God does things poetically. In so much of his writings and so much of his things, he has used the sun, the moon, and the stars to confirm what he's doing. And it would not surprise me one little bit if when the the uh, cantor blows the uh, the the last trump at Rosh Hashanah. It wouldn't surprise me one little bit if at the very same time the trump of God was to sound. Matter of fact, I think that would be just absolutely beautiful imagery for God to do that. Yeah. Just beautiful. That's what I always thought. I mean, nobody told me, but that's what I always believed. It it would be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody can say it's not going to happen. And yeah. it's one of those, one of those things that I love every once in a while that I come across in, in my biblical studies is I can't prove definitely that it will happen, but you yeah. can't prove definitely that it won't happen. Yeah. So yeah. let's hope for the best. It's, it's like when I'm talking. Oh. I was watching on TBN the other night. They had Hal Lindsey, and this was one of their classic broadcasts from like 1985. Hal Lindsey and yeah. two other ministers were. We're doing a synopsis picture of 
pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. Mm-hmm. Each one of them took a few minutes and talked about each one of those. And what mm-hmm. I loved about it was these guys all had great arguments for their standing. Yeah. But they were able to talk about it and remain friends. They were able to talk yeah. about it and present their cases and remain loving each other. Hey, yeah. folks, at the end of the, of the broadcast, one of the gentlemen said, and this was the guy that was the, the post-trib teacher, Phil. This this really shocked me. He said, I'm praying that it at least happens at mid-trib. I'm praying it doesn't happen at post-trib, and I'm hoping, like Hal says, it happens at pre-trib. It doesn't matter <laughs> if it's going to be pre, mid, or post. Personally, I am a firm believer we're going to be out of here before the tribulation. Amen. I believe Amen. the church is leaving here. I, I heard you talking about it while I was on hold. The church yeah, is mentioned be- 19 times from Revelation 1 to the end of Revelation 3. Yeah. From Revelation 4 all the way through to Revelation 19. You don't hear about the church again, folks. There's a reason yeah. for that. Read the first two verses of chapter 4. A door opens in heaven. John is called to heaven. That's a picture of the rapture. You want another picture of the rapture, Phil? Let me give you one more. The Old Testament in Exodus, Mm -hmm. when Moses went up on Mount Sinai, get this, God came down in the cloud of fire onto Mount Sinai, and Moses went up. Hmm. Yeah. Mm Hmm. Another picture, when God called Elijah, God came down with a fiery chariot and Elijah went up. We are at that time when there's a very strong possibility, and those of you who caught my program today, uh, if you didn't catch the CNR broadcast today, you need to go pull up the page, Christian News Review, here on the BTR Network, and listen to the message I gave today. Is the man of sin coming? All other prophetic things, Phil, and that's I think that's why you asked me to be on your program tonight. All yeah. the prophetic things seem to be lining up so perfectly that it boggles the imagination. As I was studying it last night and preparing for the for the message today, I was absolutely blown away. Hmm. For the first time in, in our human history, Phil. All of the prophetic things that have been talked about are lined up or are in a position to be lined up. Yeah. For example, Monday, there's going to be a vote in the United Nations as to whether or not to grant statehood to the Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian Authority wants to take eastern Jerusalem away from Israel, Mm -hmm. and they also want to take the West Bank to make their own autonomous nation. Folks, East Jerusalem is the old city of Jerusalem, where all of the biblical sites are. It's where the Temple Mount is located. Now here is a people who are not a country, who have come to Israel from all the other Muslim nations, and they're wanting to declare that Israel has to give up their sovereignty, has to give up the land that was paid for, bought and paid for with the blood of their men and women who fought for their freedom. Here are the very people who have been the aggressors against Israel all these years, 
wanting one more time to steal the land from Israel. Israel won the eastern half of Jerusalem from the nation of Jordan during the 10-day 1967-10-day war. Jordan has relinquished claims, all claims, to the land that is now Israel. And in fact, Jordan and Israel have become friends. Yeah. And they have had peace since 1967. Mm-hmm. But here comes the Palestinian Authority wanting to steal and take through through devious means the land that belongs to Israel. Now, what's going to happen, Phil, is very interesting. Mm-hmm. The vote's coming up Monday. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the Palestinians are granted statehood or not. We're looking at a war. Oh, yeah, indeed. Here's why I say that. If, as predicted, the U.S. casts a no vote, and that defeats the Palestinian Authority getting their statehood right now, the Muslim nations are going to rise up and try to take it. Mm-hmm. If the vote does goes as a yes vote for the Palestinian Authority, and the Muslim nations try to take over Israel, Israel is going to stand up and say, no, you're not. This is our land. Yeah. Either way you go, there's going to be a war. Oh, yeah. The the Muslim nations are already poised to join the, the Palestinian Authority. Uh, Ahmadinejad, the president of Iran, has already stated in numerous interviews that he's ready to send his troops to Israel. Syria is ready to send their troops to Israel. Lebanon is ready to send their troops to Israel. Egypt is now saying they're about to to tear up the peace treaty that they've had with Israel since the late 70s. Turkey has wow. already already thrown the Israeli ambassador out, and they've recalled their ambassador. Hmm. It all boils down to the land. And here's what the prophet Joel says about it. In Joel chapter 3... My page turned on me. Joel chapter 3, verse 2. I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. That's Armageddon, folks. And will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted their land. Hmm. Wow. Wow. God is going to cause the battle of Armageddon to judge the world because they tried to steal the land that he gave to them in the royal land decree, which is in Genesis 17, I believe. And if you look at Ezekiel chapter 47 and 48, you'll see there where God has given the division of land to each tribe, how much they get, where exactly it is. Phil, the borders of Israel should be a lot bigger than they are. I'm looking at a map right now of the Royal Land Grant. And let me tell you something, folks. You you ought to go online and, and, and pull up a map of the Royal Land Grant. It takes in nearly a third of Egypt, all of the Sinai Peninsula, half of Saudi Arabia, nearly half of Iraq, two-thirds of Syria, all of Jordan, all of Lebanon, and a small piece of Turkey. 
if you squared it off, Phil, do you know what the dimensions are? It's 1,500 miles square. Wow. Incidentally, that's the dimensions of a new city, Jerusalem. Whoa. It's 1,500 miles square. Wow. Are you guys getting this? Wow. The ancient rabbis teach that Jerusalem is the center of Israel. Israel is the center of the world, and the Temple Mount is the center of Jerusalem. Whoa. No matter what anyone wants to tell you, from now until the church is called out of this world, Jerusalem is the focal point. Hmm. As Jerusalem goes, the world goes. The next time... Israel is at war. The world will be at war. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, um, where do you um, foresee um, the book of Ezekiel 38 and 39? Um, Do you believe that um, that can happen soon? Um, Because uh, a lot of people believe in, and I believe this too now, um, that the bordering nations will have to get into something with Israel um, soon because they're being located in Ezekiel 38, 39. So my, my question is, do you believe that um, Psalms 83 and Ezekiel uh, 38, 39 can happen within that's a very short period of time, including Isaiah 17. I believe it could happen in the next nine to ten days. Yeah, me too. Here's um, why. Now, okay, go ahead. Here's why. If if you don't mind, let me let me give the same scenario I gave at the end of my broadcast today. This is how it could very easily play out in the next few days. One, the vote for Palin for Palestinian statehood, fails. Two, the failure sends the, sends the Muslims into the streets of Jerusalem and an armed conflict ignites in East Jerusalem. Three, the Palestinian Authority then calls on the Muslim nations surrounding Israel to come to their aid and attack to force the land exchange. This puts the region into a war where thousands are killed and wounded. Four, the terrorist groups in Damascus launch a chemical and or biological attack on the Golan Heights and northern Israel. Israel then would be forced to counterattack, and they would wipe Damascus off the face of the earth, fulfilling the prophecy in Isaiah 17, I think it is. With Damascus gone, this is point number five, with Damascus gone, the Arab-Muslim world would then be out of control and wanting a Jewish bloodbath. Russia, which is Gog and Magog, would then step in, because they're an ally of Iran, they'd step in and muster all of the Arab-Muslim nations together, and they would be looking for a place from which to launch the attack against Jerusalem. There's only one place in Israel that is perfect 
to set up that many people for an attack on Jerusalem. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the Jezreel Valley, also known as Armageddon, the location of the Battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39, which is the next point. We would then see the battle spoken of in Ezekiel 38 and 39 come to pass as God himself comes down to defend the apple of his eye. You know, Phil, we're taught that five out of six of the combatants coming against Israel will die in that battle. That's an 82% fatality rate. 82% of the people in this Muslim army coming against Israel are going to die that day. It's going to be carnage. It's going to be horrific. Next point. Soon after the smoke clears... A Muslim man will emerge claiming to have a peace plan that will give everyone a time of peace, safety, and a Palestinian state. The parties meet, and suddenly the news media is buzzing because this man is able to get everyone to agree on a seven-year treaty. The Palestinians get their state, the Jewish people are recognized, and will be able to build the third temple on the Temple Mount. The mount would be partitioned so that the laws of both peoples, the Muslim law and the Jewish law, would be observed, and peace comes to the Middle East. Number eight, at Rosh Hashanah, the world is stunned. In the midst of that celebration, billions of people suddenly disappear. That's the church going home. The moment the peace treaty is signed, that is when the seven years of the tribulation period begin. That one act, the first signature to go on the first peace, that that treaty starts the seven years of tribulation. The tribulation begins, the church has gone home, and the world is suddenly plunged into Seven years of hell, the first three and a half years being called the tribulation, which many teach is uh, Christ's judgment on the world, and then the second three and a half years, which is known as the great tribulation, which is the wrath of God the Father poured out on the earth. Folks, what I just what I just described here is a real possibility, a very real possibility in the next few days. And Phil, as I said in the program earlier today when i when i wrote this i wrote all this in my spiritual journal yeah and i write down on important things that i write in my journal at the front of it i write down the page number so i can refer back to it later mm-hmm. when i went to count the pages to see what page i started this entry in my journal on it was page number 70 wow the first thing i thought of and i even made mention it is the last small paragraph in my Entry here, Daniel's 70th week. Yeah. Yeah, wow. 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 Folks, we're at the end of the road. And my only question, my only question to anybody anymore is, what's the condition of your soul? Jesus is coming back for those who are faithful, who are born again, and according to the scriptures, who are loving his appearing. Yeah. Are you looking forward to it? 
Are you looking forward to leaving this earth? I am. But I'm also prepared, Phil, just in case my calculations are incorrect. Yeah. Because no man knows the mind of God. Yeah. And while I am 98% sure it's going to happen, I'm human. I could be wrong. Yeah. But all the signs are there that if it doesn't happen this year, it's sure to happen within the next year, two at the most. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're at the door. We're 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 right there. Um, and like you say, two years go by pretty fast because I remember um, just three. You know, I started this radio program in, in 2009, uh-huh. and uh, that that was pretty darn quick. I got a um, three-year-old kid going. On, I mean, he's heading towards four, mm-hmm. and he was just born. That that goes pretty darn quick. So it does. You no, know, uh, I'm praying that it's pretty soon, though. And I like what you said about um, you know people who are wanting his coming. Um, that does change the attitude of preparation um, for um, Jesus to come back because. Uh, what I tell people on my show and, and Facebook and YouTube is that I, I find it hard to, um, I think people let their guards down um, when, and I'm not saying you want to let your guards down on a pre-trip uh, rapture uh, either. And like I said, I don't have anything against post and mid, but if you don't, if you're not a, you know, you're always expecting things to happen, certain things. Now, we did it. You know, pre-trip people do expect certain prophecies to take place, but we don't know exactly when, especially just recently. We just started, I just started seeing people um, uh, study Rosh Hashanah just like in the last 10 years. But right. for, post, for post and mid, I mean, you got to see the Antichrist rise. You got to see the two witnesses. You got to see an angel flying through the sky. You got to see meteorites coming down, flying. You got to see weird-looking creatures bite, um, flying around, biting people. You got to see um, all kinds of, you know, stuff happen. And then you got to even see Jesus, you know, you know, come actually come down, break up in, in Armageddon. You got to see all this stuff before you rescue. Right. Um, so what what I'm saying is, you know the numbers. He gives the exact time period. He gives, you know, to be, you know, two, you know, twenty five hundred ninety days, or or twelve hundred and sixty days, and twelve hundred and ninety days. He gives the days. I don't know those specific numbers, but he gives the time periods that where where he's gonna come back. But for a pre-trip person, you don't have that time, so you, you need to always be ready. Um, you know, for for Jesus Christ to come back. So what I'm saying is, so somebody's looking for His coming. Uh, if you're looking for a football game, you know, to come on Friday, like my my son, or uh, mm-hmm. you know, his friends, his, his teammates, they prepare for the game. You know, the, I got the Lions playing. That's my favorite team. They haven't won anything since Timbuktu, but um, <laughs> now, now you know, now they have potential. I always said that too. I said when the Lions get when the Lions are capable of going to the Super Bowl. The rapture is going to happen, <laughs> so that's a good sign too. But uh, anyway, uh, preparation—you um, know, looking for Jesus Christ to come and expecting His coming and wanting Him to come back—causes uh, preparation. That wasn't even a question there. I just kept going. I don't know what that was—a run-on sentence, I guess. But anyway, and you're allowed. Uh, 
do you do you do you agree with that? I mean, to me, I I guess I'm saying if you're not looking for Jesus Christ to come back right now, you're looking for something, other signs, you're looking for other things to happen. You're not going to be as prepared as when you're you know you're expecting him to come back at any moment. That, that, right. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. The way I look at it is this. All those things you were describing that's going to happen in the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, that happens to everybody on earth. Yeah. There is no verses that distinguishes in the tribulation things that are going to happen between righteous and unrighteous. Yeah. Now, I may be ignorant but I can't see God allowing a scorpion the size of a horse to sting his children and make them suffer with the unrighteous. Yeah. I'm I'm like Abraham. God is righteous. God is true. He is not going to make the righteous suffer the same wrath as he is pouring out on the unrighteous. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 26:20 it makes it very clear. Come, my people, enter into thy chambers, and shut the doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, a little moment until the indignation overpass. As I've preached on the Jewish wedding, which is a portrait of the pre-tribulation rapture, we're going to, I believe firmly that the church is going to be taken out of here to make way for God's Vengeance to be poured out on a sinful world, on a world that has rejected Christ, on a world that has treated Israel badly. That's not for us to deal with. I believe that during the tribulation period, that first six years, the church is going to be judged at the Bema Seat of Christ. If you did what you did because you loved the Lord and you were truly concerned about people's hearts and souls, when you stand before the Bema Seat and your works are judged by fire, they'll come out purified like gold, silver, and precious gems. If what you did on earth was for selfish reasons, then it'll be burned up like hay and stubble, and you'll walk around eternity with a smell of smoke on you. You'll still get in, but you just won't receive the rewards that you would have had you been doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Phil, I just can't see... God putting his people through all of the stuff that's going to happen in the first three and a half years, let alone the last three and a half years. As I said, the first six years will be judged, and that last year, the Sabbath year, is the marriage supper. Yeah. Then Jesus will come down by himself and defend the people, the remnant of Israel that that are... Uh, at the place that we now call Petra. He'll defend them. That's why his robes are blood-stained when he comes back with all the saints and physically sets foot on the Mount of Olives, which is his second coming. That's when the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the bottomless pit alive. Satan is bound by an angel and thrown into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Jesus walks across the Kidron Valley, and guess what, folks? We've got the millennial reign of Christ. Peace on earth that has not been seen since the time, early time, of Adam and Eve, when God himself walked with them in the cool of the evening. 
Oh, what a yeah. glorious time that's going to be. Amen. Amen. I want to see, uh, I barely see any movies uh, get to see. So me and, my, and it, it was a pretty de- decent movie besides the throwing up and vomiting. But um, uh, no, no cussing, no, no foul language or nothing. But we went to go see the movie Contagion. At least I don't think there was no, I don't remember. As I left to the bathroom. But anyway, um, the movie was sort of like, um, what did I, where's the scripture at where it says a person will, will run from a bear, enter the house, put their hand on the wall, and the spider's there. Um, I don't remember really, myself. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, Contagion uh, was really, uh, uh, the, the virus spread it somewhat mildly but quickly. Um, by the 140th day, it was like 220 million people died in the whole world, so that was pretty good. Now, my question is, the first half of the tribulation period, um, what do you see the condition of the world then? Is it? I, I know that the Antichrist is getting credit for you know bringing peace to the earth, but do you do you believe that there's still things going on um, that um, that Lisa, because you had said earlier that with Jesus, with the Lamb's um, judgment in the first three and a half years. So, do you see um, that scenario where you're running from a bear and hiding, you know, walk in the house and go, you know, put your hand on the wall and there's a spider in the in the second half of the tribulation period? And you, do you see the, a, more of a peace, peaceful atmosphere in the first half, or do you see still tragedy? Um, mixed in with hope. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Well, there's, there's going to be very little hope. Uh, yeah. The the first few months of the tribulation period is going to be a time of relative peace, but the rest of it is hell on earth. Yeah. The, I mean, you you, the 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 scriptures teach us that half the world's population is going to be dead. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Right now, we are just a, a tiny bit under 7 billion people on the face of the earth. The United States is something like 367 million people. Yeah. Throughout the tribulation, half of the world's population, or the first half of the tribulation, half the world is going to be dead. That's about 3.5 billion, with a B, people. Not much peace there between the things that happen in in what we call nature, water being polluted, the grass being burned up, the trees being burned up, the animals turning against us. A lot of people don't realize that all the wild animals in this world will suddenly no longer be afraid to come in where humans are. They'll be coming in and they're going to be hungry. And they're going to be looking at at humans like Twinkies. Babies are going to be considered a noon, uh, a middle of the afternoon snack for the wild animals. That's how bad yeah. it's going to be. You've got scorpions. The Bible describes as being the size of a horse. That would be about a twenty foot tail and a three foot stinger. That's a wow. big beast. This is yeah. all happening in the first three and a half years. And, Phil, the second three and a half years 
It gets real bad. There's going to be nuclear war all over the planet. That's one of the reasons why, while the the white throne judgment of God is taking place somewhere between heaven and earth, that God cleans this earth with fire to sanitize it, to clean it, so that it's prepared for the new city, Jerusalem. And for eternity. It's going to be bad. It's going to be very bad. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, that, I, that's not to think about, isn't it? Yeah. All right. I think I, I'm losing you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right here, Phil. I'm right here. Little yeah, little delay there, I think. Yeah, this uh, this guy's just chiping, chopping up. I think the uh, the main the main thing that I'd, I'd like to get across to everyone listening is that there are very few things that have to happen before all of the pre-rapture prophecies are fulfilled. And the way things are in the Middle East right now, the way the Palestinians are trying to force statehood, the way the Muslim nations have all banded together and they're ready to attack Israel, they're looking for any excuse at all to attack. Folks, we're at the whether you are a pre-trib, mid-trib or post-trib believer in the rapture it doesn't matter it's close it's very close and those of you who are riding the fence you've got one foot in God's land and you've got one foot in the devil's territory you better come off that fence you better come off that fence right now because the lukewarm those who are trying to play both sides against the middle the people who are lukewarm will not go when that trumpet sounds. I'm begging you. With everything I have inside me. Make sure everything is right between you and God now and keep it right. We all have one opportunity. One opportunity to get it right. God is not the one who decides whether you go to heaven or hell. You yourself make that decision. God moves on what you decide to do. If you become a Christian, you are assured of eternity with God. If you don't, Isaiah tells us that hell has had to be enlarged to accept all of those that are going. And God never intended for any of us to go to hell. He created that for Satan and those angels that followed him in rebellion against God. It was never created for you and me. But God's got to put those who reject him somewhere. 
now is the perfect time to make sure everything is right between you and God and to keep it right. Keep it right. I want to see all of you in heaven. I want to hear that you heard me speak, you heard Phil speak, whoever it was that that got you to thinking about your immortal soul. Time is short. And I'm, I'm wanting you to make sure that you've got it right. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to get religious. I'm asking you to start a one-on-one relationship with the creator of the universe. It's all about relationship. It has nothing to do with religion. God is your father. Talk to him like he was. And he'll talk back Amen. to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, thank you for coming on, uh, brother. Uh, there was some issues with the Skype. That's why I, was, uh, um, I didn't really want to um, bother you in, you know, just in case something might correct itself, which it did. And it, um, I should have said something earlier, but uh, 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 apologies for that. But I'm going to get you on a, a few more times. Uh, uh, um, you normally uh, use Skype all the time, or do you use um, regular phone? Uh, I I, uh, I use Skype quite a bit, but uh, uh, I, I do use the phone sometimes. I, I I've got a broadcast band or broadcast quality internet connection, so usually yeah. uh, with the studio being here, it usually sounds pretty good. So I usually try to use Skype when I do the interviews. Oh. Okay. But uh, I can I can use a phone just as easy. Okay, all right, that'd be. Um, we we're testing again, and then, but I I like to get you on at least a couple more times before, um, hopefully the grand finale. Of <laughs> just just call me. And let me know. Let me know when, Phil. I'm broadcasting every yes, day sir. this month for as long as I'm yes, here. Sir. And yes, my sole deal for the next few days is talking about end-time prophecy and warning people and trying to win as many souls as possible. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, brother, you you, you take care, um, and I'll be praying for you and your ministry. And um, I'm trying to get in touch with Mike Parker and get him on here. But God bless you so much. And you have thank a you for your day. kind invitation, and thank you to everyone yes, listening. Sir. And if I can help anyone, please don't hesitate to send me an email. Uh, th- my ministry is is all about helping people Amen. and praying with people. And Amen. Phil, it's always an honor to have you on the or to, to be with you on your program, and God bless you, your family, and all of your your wonderful listeners, and I look forward to seeing everybody at the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, sir. God, God bless. bless. All right. Well, we made it through that um, interview. Uh, I had some uh, issues with the, I don't know if it's my Skype or, or whatever, but... Um, uh, we are going to have them on here a couple more times because time, time is getting short, um, and um, uh, we we 
need to um, band together as many people as we can to get that message out. And uh, we can't always do it by ourselves, but uh, God is going to use as many people as he can. So uh, stand by, and I'll be back um, for, you for, uh, for the last three minutes. Just take a couple calls and words. I'll be back. This is Prophecy Zone Radio. You're entering the Prophecy Zone, where truth will be reviled. You're entering the zone where truth is more stranger than fiction. You're entering the zone where you'll find that good is evil, blue is red, black is white, and truth alive. You're entering the zone where you'll find that every human is in a race of his or her soul, and truth is more stranger than fiction. Wars. The mark of the beast. Israel. The European super state. The rapture of the church. And more. Don't be afraid to enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone.
without placing him at the top of the trophy case, you know, putting him at the top of your life as priority. Um, and that is the only way that can happen. So God bless everybody out there. Uh, make sure y'all tune in for the Prophecy Zone um, tomorrow um, with um, Brenda Johnson, and she has a great show. Um, uh, and she's going to be talking about on her, on her show about dividing Jerusalem uh, as the day approaches. God bless y'all, and y'all have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful night. And uh, we'll be seeing y'all uh, probably on Monday, um, and then we will uh, be coming on every day, hopefully, after that. God bless y'all. Have a wonderful day.